We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady. And Martin Paloma. Welcome into another edition of Mind of My Money presented by Pinnacle. I'm Neil McCready, Martin Paloma with me as always here on this Thursday, January the 12th. Today on the show, we're going to uh, let Martin do what we talked about doing last week and then we got off topic on something. Uh, but today we'll, we'll get on topic. It'll be a fairly short show. Uh, we both have a lot going on. Martin's got a hard out uh, in a little bit, so we'll, we'll get moving. But we'll talk about uh, benchmarks to look for in 2023, what to look for in the markets, what to expect in the markets and with your portfolios and that type of thing. Martin's expertise. I will sit back and keep my mouth closed in just a minute. But first, I want to tell you that uh, I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. Does that number call it? Ask for my buddy, Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle, no haggle. You get your quote, and the rest is completely up to you. You can shop it around, or you can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today. And, uh, Martin, before we uh, get started with what to expect in 2023, what can people expect when they call you guys at Pinnacle? Yeah, oh, man, good question. Um, you know, kind of the first thing that we want to do with folks whenever uh, they call in is see if, you know, if we're able to help. And in, in a lot of cases, we are able to help. And in some cases, you know, uh, it may not make sense, but that doesn't mean that I send people away, you know, empty handed. Um, you know, I try to say like, if, if, if it's us, if it's our side that we, you know, that there's a reason that we, it doesn't make sense to, to work with folks. I'll be like, Hey, here's what you need to be doing to, you know, to get to a point to where we can work with you or, Hey, you have a, here's your issue. And that's not something that we have the tools to solve, but here is, you know, the person or place that, they can help you solve, you know, solve those problems. Um, you know, I definitely don't want folks to ever have a, you know, an experience of, you know, Oh, well, I'm not, you know, good enough or big enough or, or whatnot for, for their firm. And in, and in, in a lot of cases, there's folks, especially the younger folks 
planning is really simple. And I, and I kind of give the milk away, you know, to those younger folks. Um, but, you know, in, in a lot of cases, we've had folks that are listeners to the show that call and they do have some complex issues and we're able to help out. And uh, that's really cool. Um, you know, when we're able to do it. And we talked to, you know, a listener last week and, uh, and I have a team that works with me on, on all clients. And, um, you know, and it's kind of funny when you get on the phone with folks and they're like, man, I feel like I'm, you know, I've listened to you for three years, four years and, you know, and, and it's, uh, you know, now I'm actually talking to you and answering my questions. It's kind of weird. I'm like, it just doesn't seem like that to me. Cause I guess you and I have a conversation every week and it's kind of fun and, and I enjoy doing it, but I'm glad we can be of service. You know, what's crazy is when I see you in person is you sound exactly like you do here. And I, it's weird to me. <laughs> well, I mean, you sound exactly like you do when I see you in person too. And I'm, you know, we don't have auto tune, uh, you know, uh, changing our voices, but maybe we should do that for a show, put some auto tune on our voices. Perhaps. We can just sing the whole show. Uh, I can sing about bonds for 30 minutes. That would be funny. Just get a little uh, beat going to it in the background. and Yeah, who knows, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, man, I mean, a lot of our focus this year with folks is is just uh, just planning and making sure that they're, um, you know, that they're on track. Uh, last year was bloody for everybody. Um, you know, it was less bloody here. I've picked up a couple of clients at year end that were do-it-yourselfers um, that just had just said, hey, man, I'm, you know, I've been lucky for the last several years and this year showed me that I need a professional to help. And so that's been kind of cool, have that experience. And, and really it kind of starts, it starts with us with the planning piece. So, uh, you know, I'll kind of say, I, I know probably our regular listeners are like, Jesus, man, can he say something new? But that's how we, that's what we are, man. We're, we're planners at heart. Um, so, you know, if you don't know your roadmap, uh, you know, we help you build the map. Then I help you build the appropriate car to, to drive from point A to B. And it's kind of, I try to make it boring and simple for our clients because that means that, you know, they're probably gonna have a really successful plan. Uh, if I'm not trying to be, you know, too fancy, I'm not going to blow them up. All right. We'll start with this. Pull out my trusty reader so I can read this. I think this is going to set the stage for the question. All right. Well, again, it's uh Thursday, January the 12th. As we take this, it's the 12. Oh my gosh. This is from the uh, wall street journal. Uh, the author is uh, Gwen Guilford. U.S. inflation eased to 6.5% in December compared with a year earlier, yep. marking the sixth straight monthly deceleration since a mid-2022 peak. The Consumer Price Index, a measurement of what consumers pay for goods and services, rose at its slowest pace since October, the 20, October 2021, the Labor Department said Thursday. December's annual inflation rate was down from 7.1% in November and well below a 9.1% peak in June. Core CPI, which excludes volatile energy and food prices, yep. climbed 5.7% in December from a year before, easing from a 6% gain in November. Many economists see increases in core CPI as a better signal of future inflation than the overall CPI. Core prices increased at 3.1% annualized rate in the three months ended in December, the slowest pace in more than a year. On yep. a monthly basis, the CPI fell one-tenth of a percent in December due to sharply falling energy prices. That compared with a gain of, gain of one-tenth of a percent in November and four-tenths of a percent in October. Food price increases also slowed last month. 
Core CPI rose three-tenths of a percent last month, up from November's two-tenths of a percent rise, but down from six-tenths of a percent increases in August and September. So that's the, the current lay of the land. That's right. So I will ask, given that and given what you know, what do you expect in 2023? Yeah. Well, I mean, the trend the trend is continuing that we are that it's that that inflation is slowing what you and you expect that because there's been so much of uh, a rate increases across the board and that's what you know the the increases are are meant to kind of choke out inflation now some folks wish that the rate increases would choke inflation out faster um but you know i think it's going to be a i think it's going to be a little bit of a slow decline back to a quote unquote, normal uh, target. Now, one of the encouraging things with with where the the position the Fed is in right now is is, is inflation is rolling over and it's a lagging, um, you know, it's a lagging indicator or it's a lagging data point. So, you know, when they're making decisions this month at their Fed meeting about are we going to raise rates? Are we going to, you know, are we going to do another rate hike? Is it going to be a smaller rate hike? They're actually using old data and, you know, if there was real-time data looking at this month versus last month, you're going to see that that the inflation number has uh, decelerated, you know, even more. So I think we're we're on a good trend trajectory to kind of get inflation normalized. And we've and we were in such a low or no inflation period for such a long time that uh, you know, I'm gonna kind of call it a drug that uh, a lot of people got used to and kind of got addicted to it. They were accustomed to having, you know, uh, low wage inflation. I mean, low inflation and growing wage inflation, which made, you know, which made you feel wealthier because, uh, you know, you got an increase in pay, but you didn't get an increase in expenses. So you had more income left left over um, at the end of the month. And then we had the flip-flop where, you know, wages were not going up by as much as cost of goods were going up. So that really ate into people's pockets, which slowed down, you know, spending for the general person, um, which is kind of gets us to where we are right now with, uh, and, you know, in the job market, there are still unemployment is still really low. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're just trying to get to a normal employment, um, you know, participation rate. And, you know, the Fed may actually be, be able to pull off this quote unquote soft landing, um, which is kind of wild. Uh, uh, they had a very low probability of being able to do it. Uh, each, it seems like each month they get closer and closer to actually being able to pull it off, to being able to choke out the inflation without throwing the economy into a, you know, into a massive recession. Um, and, you know, and we'll kind of see, I think the first half of the year is going to be the big decider for was the Fed going to be able to uh, be able to do what they were trying to do. Um, You know, and when we look at corporate earnings over the next couple of months, you know, as long as we don't see these massive uh, deterioration of earnings, uh, we're probably going to be in pretty good shape. And so that'll be some of the things that we're looking at here. You know, one is the Fed going to, is the Fed going to increase rates again? Uh, I think I think it's probable that we get two more rate hikes in the first half of the year. Albeit, I think they'll be they'll be uh, 
much smaller. I think the days of the, you know, three quarters of a percent, the 75 basis point hikes, those are in the past. We're not getting any more of those. Um, I'd be surprised if we got a 50, but it's possible. I think we're going to get a couple of 25 or a quarter percent hikes in the beginning of the year. And then uh, I think they'll pause. Some people are saying, you know, some people I really respect are saying that um, they think there's going to be some some cuts come in at the end of the year, which uh, uh, that's, that one's hard for me to 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 see. Um, but the Fed does have a kind of a track record of of going of overdoing it in either direction. So I think if there are any cuts at the end of the year, I know the Fed says it's apolitical. Is it? Because you're gonna, uh, at the end of 2023, let's face it, we're turning the page to what's going to be a. I don't know, man. I mean, here's, if here's nothing else, I'll, a fascinating uh, election cycle. And, and here's why. And, and I am excited off, about that, too. And not to get off on this tangent at all, because we're not going to. But <laughs> if you <laughs> okay. look at if, if you look at expectations based on what Senate races are coming open, uh, what House races are open, the I, I think most people expect that. Barring something quite volatile that the Republicans will gain ground at a minimum in the Senate, and that will probably gain some more ground in the House based on nothing other than just the the demographics of what spots are coming open. That's before you even get into the presidential election. Yep. And and by the way, I have a theory on that that I'm stealing from my brother in a minute because I think he might be onto something. But anyway, the fact that all that happens makes me wonder, end of year, will there, will, will there be some pressure from the White House on the Fed to – make a move that makes people feel better going into 2024? You know, that's a great question. And I would be really interested to see if that does happen, because I don't know if you remember, it was pretty, it was pretty um, publicized. And when uh, Trump was in office and he was really putting the pressure on Powell to cut rates, this was pre COVID, you know, to cut interest rates because uh, he had been, he had been lifting them. Because uh, the economy was strong, the rates had been low for a long time, and he was like, "Look, we need to get, you know, interest rates normalized." And he started lifting them, and Trump came in, you know, trying to bully uh, Powell, saying we need to be more competitive with China, and he needed to cut rates to zero so we could be competitive with China. And and uh, Powell told him no, and you know, and gave the reasoning, saying, "Hey, we're we're in a strong economy. It doesn't make sense for us to have." you know, low rates. And if we do get into a situation where we need to stimulate the economy, which happened, you know, a year later, uh, I need to have ammunition to be able to do that. And if I take it to zero now, I have, you know, I have no ammunition and he held his ground. Um, you know, and I remember Trump trying to have him removed, uh, as the fed chair, which he doesn't have the authority or the power to do, uh, cause it is a quote unquote independent, um, you know, entity yeah. of, of government. So it would be interesting to see if uh, I would expect that Powell would not cave to Biden or to any political party. Uh, and then if he did, that would make for a very interesting, uh, a very, a very interesting, you know, way, the way that I perceive him, because I perceive him to be a pretty uh, straightforward, fair and honest person. And I, I don't really know his politics. Um, I haven't really tried to figure out his politics either. Uh but it would be interesting to see, you know, uh, how he how he handles that. But my gut instinct is to tell you that no, he would not 
that the that the Fed does remain independent, uh, okay. apolitical, I guess. Okay. Uh, that's going to be my optimist, rosy colored glasses look. Well, but he's he, he's done that in the past. So. I was going to say he, he has a track record that supports what you just said, and I, yeah, and I, I think that unless unless he's a Democrat and he just wanted to piss Trump off, um, and I don't know his political leanings, he keeps those pretty close to his chest. Okay. So you had talked about some benchmarks um, yeah. that you're looking for. Yeah. So I think I think this year is going to be a year where bonds are really going to be uh, going to be a strong part of the portfolio. And for clients that are sitting in cash in their portfolio, uh, I would say you should really take a a deep look at moving, you know, a good bit of that cash into at least into bonds. Um, with interest rates being where they are, you're getting compensated for, um, you know, for the, uh, for the investment into the bonds. And in the, in the past we haven't been, you know, we've had corporate bonds paying, you know, one and a half, 2% interest rates. And, uh, now you can, you know, you can find some corporates that are paying five, five and a half, six percent that are not, uh, you know, that are high quality companies that are not high risk. And, uh, you know, and that's good for, the portfolio because it gives you it gives you some some ballast for uh for a lack of a better term you know that the only way for your bonds to lose value from this point is that we have an acceleration of interest rate hikes which i just don't see that so i guess what i'm saying is i don't see there's not a whole lot of downside risk anymore in bonds that was all that all played out last year and if you were sitting in cash in your bond portfolio like we were, um, you know, that was a good that was a good play. Now it's time to get back on the track. You know, the train has has come past us, uh, you know, and for stocks and our kind of view is uh, we're, we're going to be neutral weight stocks this year um, just because stocks could go, you know, could go down further. Or they could, you know, kind of rip from here. So rather than making a a bet saying that we think that that stocks are going to fall or they're going to go up. We're just at a neutral weight. And I, I did pull my hedges down in our portfolio on all of our bonds, but I left my hedges in um, on the stocks. So we've, we moved the bond hedges into the bond portfolio, moved cash. And I think the benchmarks that you need to look for is, uh, you know, if the fed kind of slows down, that's going to be, that is going to be positive for stocks. Um, it's also going to be positive for bonds. Um, you know, and, and then if we see earnings in the, you know, in the first half of the year, not really deteriorate and, and you don't have to look at each individual company. Um, I'd say people kind of look at what the S and P earnings, you know, are and the number for the S and P earnings is a, is $200 of earnings. Uh, it's a pretty round number, relatively easy to remember. And the way people can kind of price, if you want to get kind of mathematical, I'll give you a little bit of the of the milk um the way that we kind of price whether the market is you know undervalued at value or overvalued is we look at the you know we look at the earnings from from all of the s p 500 companies which is about 200 dollars, and then you multiply that times whatever the the forward-looking price to earnings ratio is which is a easy st statistic to find forward pe which right now is about 18 and a half. So like if we said, Hey, we thought, uh, you know, 
if earnings deteriorate by 10%, so that would mean they go from $200 to 180, I'm going to pull my calculator out. So I don't, I don't embarrass myself. And we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So if, if earnings go down to 180 and we have an 18 times um, price to earnings ratio, so the price of the S&P relative to the earnings of it, that gives us a value of 3,240. So the S&P, you know, the number, the level that it's at is, you know, if it's, if we say, gosh, we think we're going to see a, you know, a 10% decrease in earnings. If that threshold crosses 3,240, we're a buyer because that's going to be fair value. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of a little bit of, you know, I guess how the, how the, the, the cake is made, um, you know, and those are some really easy things to find. Now, most people are not going to spend their time looking for all that stuff. That's why I say, Hey man, you guys take care of all of this for us, but you know, just a couple of things to look for, um, you know, what the fed does. I think we'll know by the first half of the end of the first half, what the rest of the year is going to look like. I would be neutral in stocks for the year you know, go ahead and you can go overweight bonds. I think that that's, you know, that that's really appropriate. And I say all that and people are like, well, what, what does that mean? You know, neutral weight, you know, overweight, underweight. Well, it really depends on your risk factors. Like if you're a, to make it easy, a middle of the road, you know, person for risk, like you don't want pedal to the metal. You don't want to be driving a hundred miles an hour, but you don't want to be 
you know, Mr. Magoo and you're kind of middle of the road and you'd be 50% stock, 50% bonds in a normal environment. What we say is, you know, like, Hey, right now be 50% stocks and be 50%, you know, bonds. Or if you're, you know, even if you're 45% stocks and 55% bonds, you know, that's okay too. Um, you know, and we add hedges in, which complicates the mix a little bit more. Um, but you know, we are, the hedges worked very, very well last year for our clients. Um, you know, cash was a hedge in our bond portfolio, which is weird to think of, you know, cash is a hedge, but we're starting to get back to a, where we feel like we're in a somewhat normal environment. The only thing left you know, to that piece is when the Fed finally decides to stop raising interest rates, then we can go to a normal stock allocation, a normal bond allocation, and just let the portfolio do its work. And then it's really all the plan planning is the is the variable each year. Curious shut up you, for a minute. When you get people that call you saying, Hey, I've been doing this myself and yeah. I think I finally hit a point where I'm I'm scared of it essentially. Are those people typically in trouble at that point or have they just kind of realized that, Hey, I'm, I'm not growing the way I need to grow. I mean, how much, and then and another question, when you're yeah. talking to people like me, right. Who have kind of always used a professional <clears throat> and almost as a defense mechanism. Now, when I get my statements, I don't even open them. There's like a <laughs> stack of them. Yeah, well, We don't like we, they come in and, and Laura says, don't, don't, don't look. Yeah. Don't look. And Cause she knows I'm going to lose my mind and, and, yeah. and, and, and and get upset um, because you, it feels like you're watching your retirement go away. Like, yeah. like I've, I've told her the last time I opened one, I overreacted and said to her, well, we're never going to be able to retire. We're going to be working. Yeah. We're going to be the rest of your life. We're going to be working the rest of my life. And and I'll be honest. I felt probably felt that way too. I kind of feel that way right now. Yeah. I don't, I have lost confidence that we will be able to rely on our retirement earnings because I don't, it feels like, and tell me if I'm wrong, because I think this is something that a lot of people think. A lot of people feels like this is, this is intentional. This is targeted. This is like, for some reason, people don't want people being the, the big bad government, if you will, they don't yep. really want people to be able to retire. Well, and I'll say we went on a really, really long stretch of where markets just performed so well. And I mean, I'm talking about 2009 through, you know, through 22. Yeah. A or lot through of 21, I a guess. A lot I'll of say. winning. And I don't yeah. mean, a, I don't mean a Trump winning. That's not what I no. mean. I mean. Yeah. I cause mean I mean, winning. you're, dude, you're, cause some of those were, those were Obama years. Sure. Um, you know, well, a lot of those were Obama years. Uh, and then you had Trump at the very end, uh, you know, and, 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 and that was not normal either, but it was really the first time the fed really intervened big time, um, you know, into financial markets and, uh, you know, and I'm not, and I'm not trying to sit here and say, you know, that the fed is bad and, you know, there's a big bad fed or anything like that. I think the fed has been very useful, um, you know, but it also may, it makes me a little nervous that if we had a Fed chairman that was incompetent, it's the wrong word, but it's the word I'm going to use. 
uh, if they were not good at their job. And I know a lot of people feel a lot of ways about Jay Powell. Uh, I respect the hell out of the dude. Uh, I think he's pulled a rabbit out of a hat. And um, But, man, if we had a bad Fed chair, oh, my God, what kind of damage could they cause, uh, you know, to financial markets? Um, and not trying to give people, you know, any fear or, or, or fear factors to, to put in. But, um, but, you know, dude, it has been a pretty good run for stock investors. Now, it has not been a good run for bond investors. Bond investors have been, you know, steadily going down each year. And you kind of think about, well, who, who kind of who cares about bonds? Well, people in retirement really care about bonds. Pension funds really, really care about bonds. Um, you know, and I think we're hitting a I think we're hitting a phase of where we're going to have some normal. Normal times in markets, um, you know, that maybe follow a little bit more of a cycle. Uh, than they have because I mean I guess the last big bull run was you know call it the the early 90s through 99 so it was about a I don't know a six seven eight year run into the tech bubble burst um you know before we had before we had rocky roads but man we've been you know call it 2009 through uh through 2021 so a 12 year bull run a double you know the last the last bull run and we were due for you know for some for some pain and we thought we were going to get it in uh well we we got it in you know february of 2020 but it just man it moved so fast that people really didn't feel the pain you know because your portfolio went down if you were all stock your portfolio went down 30% 35% in a six week period. And then it bounced back. You know, you didn't have months of opening statements going, Oh my God, when is this going to end? Um, you know, and really first quarter this year was the last, was the first time, uh, you know, this year you could open your statement and, and kind of sigh, have a little bit of a sigh of relief. I mean, first quarter was actually positive, um, across the board. The U S stocks were up, you know, non U S stocks were up even more, uh, bonds were, <laughs> you know, we're up a little bit. Um, but, but man, I mean, still down for the year, but up from, uh, where we've been. And let me ask you a question real quick, just to, yeah. and and this is not a trick question. I just kind of want to get your gut instinct. If I, if I said, tell me which performed better U S stocks or non U S stocks for the year, what would your gut instinct tell you? My gut instinct would tell me that it was non-U.S. stocks, but then based on the the way the question was asked, I would think it was a trick question, and I would say U.S. stocks. Well, you reverse, you reverse, you 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 uh, you psyched yourself out because it, it was a trick question. Uh, I think most people would have thought because of the war, you know, in Ukraine and Russia, that non-U.S. would have performed worse, which it did all the way through the third quarter. Oh. Non-US was the was a huge laggard, like like down double what US stocks were. And dude, in the fourth quarter, the dollar weakened uh a little bit mm -hmm. and US non-US stocks took off. Uh and non-US stocks actually they're about, I mean, they're neck and neck. Non-US were down 17.96 for the year. US is down 18.11. I mean, so pretty much tied, but non-US actually eked out. A little bit of a, a little bit of made made up a lot of ground, 
in the fourth quarter. You know, and bonds finished the year down 13%, man. That's, that's, I mean, they were down 16 at the bottom, but dude, 13 on bonds is, uh, so let's pretend that we get normal interest rates environment for the next couple of years. Okay. And you can get, um, let's say the U S aggregate, the interest rate on that, which is kind of the bond index, the Bloomberg U S aggregate bond index. Let's say it pays you, you know, let's just say, I'm going to say six and a half percent. I'm going to be very generous and say six and a half percent. So if the next we're down 13 right now, if the, if the U S if the U S bond index has a interest rate of six and a half percent, it will take us two years to dig out of the losses from the bonds. If you were a hundred percent in bonds, okay, two years. I mean, that's a, and that's it. If it's at six and a half, and if, if it ends up settling at five, you know, it'll take us almost three years to dig out of that. That's a long recovery time. It is. And the, and the difference is stocks can do it, you know, shit overnight. All right. Let me ask you this projections. Yeah. I had uh, someone in the corporate world who knows a lot more about that stuff than I do. He told me yesterday that it is his opinion that the uh, unemployment numbers are going to be pretty scary by the end of the year, that new hires are going to go down by the end of the year, that uh, that joblessness is going to go up, that the job market is going to be much tighter, thinks it's inevitable. If I tell you that, and if, if that proves to be true, does that change any of your projections? Um. It really doesn't. Uh, and here I'll tell you, I'll give you my why. Almost all of the job cuts that we've been seeing, seeing are white collar cuts. Okay. They are, you know, your tech jobs, uh, big tech firms. Um, you've seen it in a couple of the banks uh, here lately, but it's mostly in trading and uh, investment banking. Um, you know, really, really high dollar jobs. Um, I'm not, I'm not seeing it in middle America in, you know, in reductions. Um, now I'm not saying that and where we are right now is we're not even at what they would call quote unquote full employment. Like we are overemployed if that's a word relative because full employment is like 4% and we're not there yet. Uh, you know, we're still under that. Uh, the reason that I think it's not going to have much of an impact for markets like through the rest of the year is, um, you know, the, the firms that are, that are going to cut people out. Uh, a lot of them have, have already started doing it or have done it. Um, so you'll see that trickle, that'll be trickled into, uh, their earnings reports over the next couple of quarters, but that's a, unless revenues go down, that's a net positive for earnings. And it's awful to say that. So if you have the same level of revenues, but you cut out, you know, big salary expenses, uh, your net profit number is going to be a higher amount. So it doesn't, you know, to me, it doesn't have that impact on, on an earnings recession, quote unquote, that could come into play. And then if the Fed has overdone it, and let's just say that unemployment does rise, let's say it rises to 6% and the Fed cuts rates again a little bit to stimulate um you know i think i think that the pendulum will start swinging back the other way and that's all saying we're now in a in a phase where we have a very active fed 
that has not been, you know, pre 2008, um, just was just were not this active. And I know they're trying to, I guess, normal, gosh, normalize is not the right word. Uh, like smooth out, you know, bumpy economies with, with what they're doing. Um, but you know, the, I think the employment, I think the employment factor is, is less of a factor than, than interest rates. Okay. But I could be wrong, man. I've been wrong before. We'll, we'll end with this. Here's, here's my, the theory that I was told. Okay. You know, the, the, the mainstream media, and I think even the people who lean left will begrudgingly admit this. The mainstream media has been pretty gone pretty easy on the Biden administration so far. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. Except they, for now, I'm learning that uh, there's classified documents that they found yeah, in his and residence. So suddenly, or? suddenly they seem to be going aggressive on Biden on this classified document thing. And the theory is that Biden was supposed to have announced by now that he was not going to run for re-election. Yep. And, and he's not. And he's saying he's going to run, right? As of as of today, he has not done anything other than say that he is running. Yep. Okay. And I am wondering if this is the beginning of the media meaning trying the to take him down turning on him because of a let's face it he's going to be an old man running for re-election this is true yeah well he'll be what 82 yeah <laughs> yes um, I mean, he'll be he, he already is the oldest president so obviously he'd be the oldest person to run for election in 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 our nation's history and secondly as it looks more and more like Trump will not be the guy with the Republican party, certainly not a slam dunk. Like it looked like it was a year ago. Correct. They worry that, that, uh, that Trump, that, you know, Biden can't beat another candidate, a younger, more normal, rational candidate. And then there's a part of me that wonders if this is the, the Democrats going, you know what, for all of Biden, Biden's not extreme enough. Like they they want to go for it, you know, go for the pack the court, things of that nature, things that Biden has just not been willing to push for. So that's it's my that's the, people say, what do you look for in 2023? I am the story politically that I'm watching the closest is Joe Biden and whether he runs for reelection or whether he gets pushed out. I thought it was interesting that there was so much emphasis put on Gavin Newsom's speech the other day. So that's what we kind of, and I, I missed that. Uh, what, uh, well, he, what, just, what, he was, you know, happened? he was, he was, he won reelection and he gave a speech the other day. I guess it was his inauguration speech or whatnot. I, I don't really know. I, I have avoided mainstream media for the most part. And I've avoided most all media for about the last <laughs> month or so. I really have. And it's been, man, it's been like beautiful. Well, it's been incredibly healthy. I had like a I had like a little moment mid December when I was like, oh, you know, this is you're you're letting stuff get to you too much, and I just kind of stopped consuming it, and and boy, been a difference. Um, 
Anyway, that's what I'm kind of watching for. I mean, just, you know, just Newsom gives a speech. Newsom's pretty radical. Newsom, Newsom is hard left. He's, he's Justin Trudeau of California. And I'm fascinated as you are to see how that would resonate in a national race, not in a California race where he can go win in California because he's going to win these massive amounts of votes in Los Angeles and San Francisco and, and, and things like that. How does that resonate? in Texas and Ohio and Wisconsin and Nevada and Florida and Georgia and North Carolina. How does that message resonate in those states, states that you have to perform well in if you're going to win a national election? Yeah. You know, and it will, I I think that'll be really interesting. It would be interesting to see, but I again, I don't know if Biden, if Biden runs again, unless the media absolutely destroys him, uh, it's probably going to be Biden versus DeSantis, if we're being honest, right? That, that those would be the betting favorites. I mean, if you were, if you, were, <laughs> I mean, look, I, I, I don't. Uh, is see is there um, is there lines on presidency? I'm sure there is. Oh, I'm, oh yeah, for sure. I I don't know where you'd find them right now, but yeah. Um, and I think if I mean as of today, I mean I think if you're betting on who the Democratic nominee is, you'd have to bet on Biden. Yeah. Until he says he's not running, it's difficult for me to imagine that the Democrats would primary out a sitting president running for reelection. Yeah, unless the media absolutely destroys him. Yeah, it makes it where he can't run, which might might, might, might not be the goal. We'll see. It's, it's going to be interesting. All right, you got a hard out. Let's get to I it. I do, man. Uh, real quick, tell the people how they can get in touch with you at Pinnacle before we go. Yeah, uh, old school phone line, 601-957-0323. Uh, you can email us at info at com. All right. For Martin Palomo, I'm Neil McCready. We'll be back with you guys next week for another edition of Mind of My Money. Until then, take care. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not ready hour foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.